Welcome to Uncontained, episode 66. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render. Before we get started, I'd like to uh, wish my mom a happy Mother's Day, which just happened this last weekend. And uh, then I actually have two birthdays. My brother, May 15th, which was yesterday, and today, which is my dad's birthday, May 16th. So happy birthday, happy Mother's Day. It's definitely quite the busy time of year in uh, this family, especially since my birthday was like two, three weeks ago, April 27th. So happy birthday to everybody. Happy Mother's Day to both my mom and stepmom and all the mothers out there, but especially, especially mine. So you all... Hopefully you had a great Mother's Day, but not as good as mine. Uh, yeah, something like that. Okay, enough greetings and salutations and uh, family events, shout-outs, or whatever you want to call them. I got a very, very funny episode for you. I interview four authors from the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, they happen to be in a writing group where they critique workshop each other's work and quite frankly it seems like they make fun of each other quite a bit which makes it a very interesting group we have pat griffith who has uh, actually published two books trespassing and linchpin then uh we have jacob richardson who's in another another stage of the writing process where he's currently talking to agents trying to get a deal uh networking face-to-face meetings and all of that stuff uh, you'll meet him a little bit in the show ross dryblatt he's currently working on a interesting concept it's a book based on somebody who looks like Brad Pitt and tries to pass himself off as Brad Pitt. It's a very interesting concept, and uh, we get a little bit more into that as we get into the show. And last but not least, Jimmy Ng, the man who introduced me to his writing group and uh, thought it'd be a great idea to involve the whole group rather than just himself in this interview. He is currently close at the similar stage as Jacob is, but uh, at the beginning stages of that. And uh, he has a book called Sunfall with what is referred to in the podcast as bird people or humans with wings. And it's very interesting. He goes into how he creates the universe that they're in and also incorporates the wings into the emotions that are portrayed by the characters so a lot going on in this podcast some uh some moments you wouldn't necessarily expect from a literary group that uh describe themselves as introverts this is an episode that will be interesting to you whether you're looking to publish a book on your own or just the casual listener If you're enjoying the podcast and want to help the podcast out, just uh, do me a favor. Please tell a friend about the podcast that you don't think would have found this on their own. Just uh, pass a word on to them. Be like, hey, I think you'd like to hear this and uh, help me spread the word of this podcast. Thank you. I won't keep you waiting any longer for episode 66 of Uncontained with Pat, Jacob, Ross, and Jimmy. Welcome to Uncontained, and how are all you guys doing today? 
Great. Horrible. Thank you. <laughs> All right, great. So let's just go around the room, just introduce yourself briefly, since Jimmy's doing horrible. We'll start out with Jimmy. Jimmy Ng, want to tell everybody how you got into writing? Yeah, so I got into writing because I think I have a lot of voices talking in my head, and I didn't actually know what to do with it, so I thought I'll start writing it. And actually, surprisingly, those voices did quiet down to a point where I don't go around talking to myself as much. Maybe I need to write something down. (laughs) Talking to myself, different voices, and yeah. If I just dressed down a little bit and sat on a street corner, people might throw change at me. Right. Uh, (laughs) All right, uh, Ross, want to introduce yourself briefly? What have you done? How did you get into writing? Sure, my name is Ross, and I got into writing um, probably in high school and college. I was a journalism major and wrote for a couple of tiny little newspapers and then um, took some, you know, English classes, screenwriting classes, just a great time to do it, you know, in college, the safe place to do, explore whatever you want to do. And then um, made the mistake of uh, leaving college and thinking, <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> and so uh, dabbled with it full time, you know, until I was old enough to think, you know, I should earn a living. Okay. All right. So what? Uh, so what happened when you left college? When did you realize, hey, I might have maybe should have stayed? I took a few years. I mean, to realize, oh, I'm not going to earn a lot of money doing that. Um, I, you know, worked for some newspapers. I worked for some PR agencies. Through, you know, and then a, it, you know, and I took some time off just to write just to see, you know, see if I can get something done before I had to get a job again. So most of my 20s are spent just temping so I can have time to write. Okay. And um, that, you know, after, you know, a couple of evictions and, and cars, you know, uh, repos, I thought I, I should get a job. It took a little while <laughs> to understand that concept. So then I switched and became full-time working person and just, you know, writing whenever I could. Okay. And then uh, come to Jacob. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Jacob Richardson. Um, I think Ross did it the, the smart way, um, majoring in journalism or something. Okay. No, he wanted to be a writer. I did not do that. Uh, when I was in college, I majored in biology and thought that I was going to be a scientist. Okay. Um, and I realized pretty, I'd say like junior year of college or so, that I was not smart enough to do that. Um, just <laughs> wasn't sticking <laughs> at all. Um, so... Uh, to fight against organic chemistry or epidemiology or genealogy or something that I was going to not do well in, um, I would procrastinate by writing really long emails to my friends. And I really enjoyed it a lot. I mean, like, epic, epic emails about how my week went. Uh, Just the waste (laughs) time to not study. And some of my friends wrote back, like, hey, you write really good emails, and I just really enjoyed it. So after college, I was like, maybe there's something to this writing. So I started writing like small music reviews for a little paper in Cincinnati, paid like $10 a CD review, CDs back in the day. Uh, And I really liked that, uh, but it wasn't enough. Um, I was like, I have my own ideas. And then just kind of like started the short story thing. And that just kind of blossomed into the novel writing. But it all started with writing emails to friends in college. Okay. All right. So we could have taken it a whole other way and just been like, I just want to be a professional emailer. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish I would have been like a 
English major or a journalism major or not. So you had a little bit more schooling in the writing area. Yeah, now I'm just paying off a very massive loan for a degree that I'm never going to use. Understandable, understandable. <laughs> it happens a lot. Like I started out with a degree like in retail marketing and stuff, and I'm like, no. No, I'm not going to do this. So I understand what you're you saying. You turned away from the glitching grammar of <laughs> I did. Detail. I did. I the did. bravery. It was just like a, uh, you know, I got a discount at school for going for that program. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're a lot more and Asian than, than you present yourself. <laughs> Asian people do that. Oh, yeah. Retail? Uh, no, it's <laughs> discount. It's like, oh, discount for this degree? Yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm, then, I'm, I, then I took a class in bargaining. And <laughs> I'm stepping away from this conversation. <laughs> I'm not saying anything else. I probably should, too. Let's move on to Pat Griffith. Welcome, and do you want to tell a little bit about yourself as well? Okay, thank you. I'm Pat Griffith. I started writing in middle school. I was the weird kid at at the lunch table by myself writing fan fiction. And I always ask teachers for extra credit homework. Cause you were one of those I kids. I was one of those kids. You I wanted the extra in your brain. Wait, <laughs> yeah, Wait, I wanted what the... fan fiction? I want to know this. Yeah, I was going to ask what writing. Uh, Transformers. Oh my god. Yes. <laughs> I'm a G1 Transformers fanatic. I do hear that they are more than meets the eye. Yes, it's true. <laughs> they absolutely are. So yeah, so... Fan fiction's a great place to start, okay. but it is a little bit of a cop-out if you don't ever move away from that. Mm. So you need to build your own worlds, which I probably started doing, oh gosh, when did I? I mean, Trespassing, my first book, I probably started, it probably took me about 13 years to write if I think about like the first time I wrote a scene oh. okay. to like the finished product. And so was it just 13 years that you were working on that book or were you working on anything in between? Like, okay, I'm going to bounce to this project uh, and then come yeah. back or was it just like, I think most writers probably have multiple things going on. And I did have, cause I have several different worlds or realities. And there was a point, like maybe when I started going to university for writing that I was like, Nope, if I want to finish, I'm going to finish this thing. You're going to have to just focus on this thing. So it's like okay. all my other worlds are like on hold. <laughs> They're like in freeze mode while I work on this one reality. So you have to, or at least I do. I'm the kind of person, I know there's some, I'm sure there's writers that are prolific enough to be like, today I'm going to work on this one and tomorrow I'm going to work on this one. And they can produce five or six totally different works. I'm not that person. I have to, I have to submerse myself into the world totally. So. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So, do you still have any of your old fan fiction writings, or do I? <laughs> I actually, I have the first book I ever wrote called "Destructive Tendencies" is a Transformers fan fiction, and I actually do have that. It was edited by my best friend, who I met in junior high, and is still my one of my best friends. And it sits, it is sitting on my bookshelf in a giant binder. So I you should have, have brought that. it. You could have read a little bit for the audience. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> that would be quite scary. <laughs> all right, all right. So you've had actually two books published, yes. correct? Uh, Trespassing, which you were talking about, mm -hmm. and Lynchpin. Yeah. Um, you've done this, gone the self-publishing route, correct? Correct, yes. Why did you choose to go that route? I think it was just a case of tired of waiting. <laughs> okay. Because I did... 
I did try several 60-plus publishers slash agents where you do the query letter and got some responses back, you know, where they wanted to talk more about it. And I did have one company actually offer me a contract. But there were so many other things going on that I turned all that down. Um, and it's just these days it's so easy. But... I wanted to make sure I was, even though, you know, because you could write something right now and then throw it up on Amazon and sell it for 99 cents. It's very easy to publish or self-publish, but I wanted to make sure I had quality work. So, like, I've paid professional editors to edit my work. I paid professional graphic designers to design my book covers because I want to make sure, because there's so much competition, 4,500 books go out on Amazon every day, new books. What? Yeah, 4,500 new books every day hit Amazon. So your competition is insane. So if I want to stand out from all that competition, because it is so easy to publish something, one way to do that is to make sure it's quality and not just fan fiction. (laughs) Okay, very, very good. So um, you guys are all part of, uh, you guys critique each other's work, right? You're in like a writing workshop? We do. Correct. I'm still waiting for my payment. (laughs) 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 It's like a writing workshop slash punishment. (laughs) 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 Endeavor. Torture. Does your punishment come like to help hold people accountable or just for fun? It's it's just when you... I, I, for me, it's uh, holding in all the rage during the week and then unleashing it on them for like, <laughs> I critique their writing. So Very that's what it aggressive. is. <laughs> we all take that with us. You're really picturing like Larry from The Office or something like that. <laughs> yeah, Larry. Is a Larry, Larry or Kim or whatever. But uh, you take it out on these poor people. So how does, besides uh, passive-aggressive rage... <laughs> How does uh, your writing workshop work? Do you have like a structure to it, or how do you do? You spotlight one person per week, or um, we do have a structure. Um, it's every week uh, two people submit their writing. So there's four of us. Two people submit. The other people read those two submissions. When we meet the following week, then those two people get feedback from the other three, and then. Uh, when that is over, then the next two people who didn't submit, it's their turn, and they submit their two, and we just okay. keep on going back and forth like that. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. So what would you say have been some of the benefits so far of being in a in a writing group compared to going out on your own, which I'm sure you've all done at some point? I think for me, because I write purely in a fantasy world where, where Pat writes in a, you know, in basically an earth environment. I, I've created a whole new world with brand new people. Um, and the, the, benef- the, the difficulty is that if I say John walks into a bedroom, I don't have to describe the bedroom. Basically, everyone knows what a bedroom will have. Um, but I can't do that in my world because it's, it's so different. I have to describe literally everything. And... Actually, most of the time, I know what I'm talking about, but mm-hmm. other other readers will not. And what they don't understand, they'll highlight, and I'll go, okay, well, you guys don't know anything. This is really great writing. And then my ego... <laughs> I, have then, I have to then put my ego away and look at their critique and go, okay, they're, they're right. And the rewrites become much more 
constructive because I take what they don't understand and I try and make it more understandable. And that's the biggest benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, especially writing science fiction or fantasy, you, when, when you're talking about things that are not of this world, it's, um, it's good to have feedback like that. Now, you guys mentioned, like, you have different styles of writing, one more fantasy-based, one more reality-based, and uh, do you ever find that hard to relate to the other style of writing to give a good critique? Actually, I love the, the different styles, because I am not a, a science fiction or, um, you know, a cartoon guy. I, I would never pick up these, the, the books that they're writing. So it's been a great exposure to see this whole other world, and um, to be, and also the quality writers are in this group, very high quality. So it's been kind of like an appreciation of a whole new world to me, because um, this is not t- something I would typically read. Okay. Anybody else have anything to chime in on that one? Um, I mean, I will say going off of what Jimmy was saying as well, but I agree. Totally with Ross. Is, uh, also, it's like good not to be in a rut. Yeah, just reading the same thing over and over and being exposed to other genres because I think that helps keep the wheels kind of greased in your own mind as to like how other way other ways you could portray something. Yeah. It's not just your typical way. So it's really great to have uh, diversity in the group. Mm-hmm. Totally about that. Yeah. Um, but the the benefits of being in the group as well is there were so many times. So they just got done uh, with my novel, going through my entire novel, and there were so many times that they would point out something and just offer a better idea. And I'd just be like, why the fuck did I not think of that? Like, why did I have it this way when there was such a better idea out there? Like, the whole the abortion subplot that was not in it before. Um, I, yeah, and I was like, oh, I should add that in. That would make this character so much more believable. Or I had this terrible, shitty ending. And okay. they were like, yeah, this, this ending's really shitty. And I thought, I knew I did. <laughs> that's my notes. Shitty ending. Yeah. It's pretty much like, that's, a, that's a show title now, too. <laughs> <laughs> Just to a shitty ending. <laughs> Distilled down to its essence, their, their very graceful feedback was shitty ending. <laughs> so I scrapped the ending, and I wrote what I think is a better ending, maybe not the best, but like okay. compared to what I had originally, like, I don't know why I thought that was a good ending, but I wouldn't have seen that without them telling me that. Okay. Do you guys ever get attached to, like, a certain idea that you have, though? Like, you know, it's your own creation, and when somebody gives you some feedback, it's like, I can't necessarily see changing that? Or is it that when they give you feedback, you're pretty open to it? The great thing about a work, being in a workshop is that you have to be op- somewhat open to it, if you're not, then you're not going to really be, grow as a writer. So that's why the workshop, I mean, to me, a workshop is vital for any writer. Because, like you said, we don't like people. <laughs> <laughs> we hate everything. <coughs> that was off mic that I said. Oh, <laughs> so to get in another room and expose yourself to other people is really, you know. We're talking about right? Oh, uh, wait. <laughs> we weren't that. Oh. There's another element in the workshop I forgot to mention. <laughs> so this is the good part. <laughs> it's San Francisco. We get weird, you know. Yeah. So, well. Very open and, yeah. and appreciative. Really open. Yeah. Or you can just whip it out. And it so, or in the past case, whip them out. <laughs> 
getting away from this conversation. <laughs> I'm stepping away from this conversation. Your, your ego's kind of on the line all the time, and that's why it's great for a writer to, you know, you, you can't write something fabulous with, you know, just with, with your ego hanging out there. Really, You really have to be open to criticism, especially if you're going to put it out there, for sure. Okay, is there anything that you do to prepare yourself to be more open to criticism? Drink, <laughs> drinking, <laughs> drinking definitely During, helps. whatever. Cocaine, heroin, <laughs> those are good, good <laughs> things. Expose yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Walk around naked in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Other than that, no. <laughs> okay. No, you can't really prepare because you don't know what they're going to say. Right. You just have to, again, just be open. Just be like, you well, know, not necessarily prepare for a specific comment, but like oh. prepare your mind to be like kind of open to accepting a set of protective over your yeah. creation. Well, Ross did bring this up by saying, like, we're all, I agree that we're all qual, I think everyone here is a quality writer. So when you know that their criticisms, aren't a personal attack yeah it makes it so much easier to take the feedback right. it's not like they're saying like you shouldn't be offended you know yeah. just like be like it's not about me or anything they're just trying to make my work better so don't take it personal if you can prepare it by doing that getting feedback is a lot easier <laughs> yeah and do uh do you guys have a certain way that you approach the giving feedback to maybe make it feel like it's not a personal attack. Make it feel like it's just feedback. I bring a whip. <laughs> you always bring that whip, though. I know. <laughs> bring it everywhere. You were just saying you're like the next Indiana Jones. That's right. <laughs> um, no, I think I, th I think for us specifically, none of us. I've never experienced any sort of um, hurt or hatred or it's like. What the fuck is this? What What are you trying to say? I've never. You don't know science fiction. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I've, I've, I've always looked at it. I mean, for you know, my ego gets in my way all the time. But I think that's the thing is, if you're aware when when you're stepping in your own way, you you know to sort of just sit back, let that, let him walk away, and then go, okay, what they're saying makes a lot of sense. And and for me, that's what I've had to do was was when I read it when I read their criticism or when they're telling me, you know, I just sit there and I, I most of the time I, I don't say anything back to them. I, I'm not defensive or I try not to be. You think you're not. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> trying to look good here. <laughs> all right, so you guys, as we talked a little bit earlier, that you're all kind of at different stages in the publishing process or the writing process. Um... Pat, you've actually talked to some of the publishers, decided to go with the self-publishing route, mm -hmm. and Jacob, you're currently in the process of talking to... I have a completed novel that I am trying to shop around getting a liter literary agent for, but I do not have an agent, just some that have shown some interest. Okay, and where are you two guys at the process? Um, I'm similar to Jacob, except at the beginning stages, where um, I have sent out query, query letters... Um, excuse my Asian accent, um, and I've gotten declines or, or no answers. Um, so, and then the strategy with that is you're sending out five to maybe ten query letters, and then if you're not getting any responses, then um, what's usually wrong is your query letter. So I'm in the beginning stages of of, of that, of looking for a literary agent. Like, what is in the query letter? The query letter. So if you if you if you read the back of the book, of any book, there's always some sort of blurb, like a summary of the book or what the book is about. And it's usually some sort of beginning. Um, 
that's your query letter. So you're okay. you're, you're selling your book saying um, this guy who who's a who's a paleontologist he's about to go and risk his life looking for the lost ark and that's all you need to say and then and then um and hopefully you gain the attention you know hopefully the agent will be like okay i want to read this book so it's kind of like just a little mission statement of like the um of the book, kind of like what it's about, a little brief synopsis in like one sentence? No, it's the synopsis is usually about a paragraph. Okay. But um, there's a fine balance between giving too much information versus not giving enough. You want to give enough to entice the agent, but if you give too much, it becomes very convoluted. So okay. So you have to... It's and it's it varies from book to book. And they probably get a lot of them, so you want to keep it short and sweet, so they yeah. can make it to the end of it before they're like, okay, time's yeah. up. Bye. Typically, like it's there's no reason a query letter should be more than a page long. It's mm-hmm. like four paragraphs. Like you got your hook, you got your little summary, you have a little bio about yourself, and a thanks for your time. Yeah, like, that's and, it. And, you uh, Google and a check. <laughs> <laughs> if you Google query letter, you will find mounds of advice on how to write the perfect query letter. There's a very specific formula where you... There are books written on it. Yeah, yeah, there are. So there's a very specific formula where you start with the hook, like he said. You know, sometimes it varies depending on if you're like literature or nonfiction. Like, there's different kinds of query letters. So there's plenty of advice (laughs) out there on how to write the perfect query letter. I would love to read the query letter about the book about query letters. Uh, you know, I was actually going to say that. Wait till the movie comes out. I In a book about queries. <laughs> the query, unlike any other. Oh, All right, so once you get past the query letter, you end up having to talk to agents. What are some of your experiences with talking to agents, publishers, or anything? We can start with Pat since you said you've dealt with them, but you're like, eh, I'm going to go my own way. What made you decide to go and self-publish? Well, I mean, the, the great thing about self-publishing is the total control over content because, like, the one publisher that actually sent me a contract, like, they wanted me to make changes to my aliens and changes to some of the characters which I was open to but they wouldn't give me any any information and I didn't want to sign a contract and be legally bound <laughs> to this company when and not have any idea of what they wanted from me because they could make me write my entire novel or maybe it was just changing the names of the characters but they wouldn't give me that information so okay. I didn't want to get trapped into something that I just didn't have enough information with. So with with the self-publishing, you can you have total freedom and control to make your book as long as you want, as short as you want. Because like one of the things you're always supposed to mention in your query letter is how many words is your novel? Because that's supposedly a big deal. If you have you have to have at least the ideal amount is eighty thousand words, they say. I don't know how much any of that is true, ultimately, because I'm like, (laughs) a good story is a good story, whether it's 40,000 words or 120,000 words. Like, I'm not, I don't concern myself personally with the number of words, but you better mention it in your query letter. Really? Yeah. You can't just be like, this will be 300 pages, double space, and 12 font? Yeah. (laughs) So, so I think that's the, the brilliant thing about, about 
self-publishing is just you can keep your darlings or you cannot. You can you can make your characters do the craziest crap you want or make it very straightforward. So. Okay, so what what are some of the steps in self-publishing? Like, say, uh, Jimmy or Jacob or Ross want to, like, say, I want to cut the publisher out mm-hmm. and I'm sick of talking to these people. They, they didn't like my query letter. Right. I forgot to say how many pages it was or something <laughs> like that and want to self-publish. What, what would you tell them to do? How would they go about doing it? Yeah, well, it's actually, it's, Easy, but not easy, because it's like, it is very few steps, but you want to make sure you do them right. Okay. So that's why I say, like, an important factor is your book cover, because that's the first thing a person sees, even online. I mean, when you're in the bookstore and you, you know, I mean, we've all been there, I'm sure, where you just look, you're just walking by and you see a book cover that's like, whoa, what is that? Yeah. So you pick it up just based on the image, having no idea. That's how I judge people, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> Judging Women book by me. its Women for me. You do judge a book by its cover. So it's very important that your cover um, speaks to what the book is, but is also an image that that people like. Or if your book sucks, at least have a good cover. Right, cover yeah. Because at least they don't buy it or Tricky, sample it. Yeah, yeah. Suck up! <laughs> <laughs> and I have zero graphic design ability <laughs> of any kind so I hired a person to do the graphic design so that it looks good and it's not just like oh I I used paint and I made this thing you know so <laughs> like you, your no trespassing or your trespassing book wasn't just a like no trespassing sign right right yeah exactly exactly <laughs> will be yeah. shot outside <laughs> so you always and then, like, for formatting, there's a specific way you want to format. So you just have to take the time to learn these things. So I took the, like, I even took the time to learn how to format for all the different, um, because there's several different ebook versions. So you have to make sure that your book is formatted for, because Kobo's different than Sony, than iPad, than kindle all of those are different formats and if you don't have your book formatted the right way when they upload it it's going to look weird so you just have have to to make it difficult yeah so you either have to pay somebody to format it for you which there are plenty of people who will take your money to do that or or you can just take the time to actually learn it and do it yourself so it depends on what route you want to go so it's just there are is all you have to do is have a cover have it formatted right, and then you just upload it to whatever format you want or whatever platforms you want. And then for the printing part, if you want to do like a, a actual physical book, I use Create Space, okay. and you can hire them to for, again. You can hire them to format the physical pages because there's a specific format to that as well, or you can learn to do it yourself. So I hired them the first time to do my first book. I paid them $400 to format my book. <clears throat> but for the second one, because I didn't have graphics, the first one I had graphics for all my my chapter headings. Okay. So that was messing everything up. So I was just like, I'll just pay them. I'll just make sure it's done right. That okay. way. You can write that off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sure. 
<coughs> assuming you're see, you're assuming I make money. Well, according to Donald Trump, you can write off your losses. Right. Oh, exactly. right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So. Oh, seriously? <laughs> oh, he's a good president. Then. <laughs> <laughs> and the nice thing about Create Space, and there's there's plenty of other like Blurb's another one. Blurb is a book company that will print your books if you, especially if you have graphics. They're a really good company for like if you're doing a cookbook, say, so you have pictures of each okay. of the steps. You know, so there's different companies out there that actually make it really easy and they're print on demand so it's like I can order one book or I can order 15 like when I do cons I order 40 books and get them all shipped to me at once but or I could order one today if I wanted to okay so you don't have to have a garage full right of, exactly uh, books right and, whereas if you're going with a traditional bedroom. publisher they're gonna have a minimum that that they're gonna print and then if those don't sell then they take that money <laughs> away from you that they lost. Whatever their loss is becomes your loss. So Okay. Yeah. All right. And, uh, Jacob, where are you at in the publishing process? Um, I'm at about, I'd say, 250 rejection letters from agents. Seriously? So, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, wow. there's a ton of agents that will turn you down out the, there. Hell yeah. <laughs> So At least they care enough to write you back. They're form emails. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they don't mention anybody by name. Um, but I, I mean, I, I went to this, I think the first San Francisco Writers Conference I went to, or maybe the second one, um, I went to a talk about how you succeed. And one of the authors, he brought out this like binder, this three-inch ring binder filled with rejection letters. He was doing this since the 70s, so he printed them all out and had hard copies. And he was like, I, these are all rejection letters I have. Now he's a successful author and doing great. And he like passes them around. And then he takes out a second binder, three-inch ring binder. Wow. These are also rejection letters. And then he takes out a third one, filled, all of them filled with nothing but rejection letters. So it's like just a part of the process. You're going to get rejected a lot. Mm-hmm. He saved them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was like inspiration right. for him. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't care that I have, like, 250 or so rejection letters. Like, it's a part of it. I, yeah. Again, don't take it personally. So I have a, I feel pretty thick skin about it, okay. as most writers should. Um, but I'm just on yeah. the hunt. I go to a lot of conferences, try to do meetings face-to-face, because um, you get a lot more. I've gotten more uh, of a positive response after I've met someone face-to-face mm-hmm. than just anonymous person emailing you a query letter. You've never met me. You know nothing about me. That's probably going to get a rejection, but if you can actually like shake the person's hand and say, "Hey, we could have a good working relationship," even yeah. if they don't think my book is the greatest thing since Great Expectations, they really just <laughs> want to have like also someone they can work with. Okay. Um, and if you can like sit down and talk with them, and they're like, "Yeah, you're a cool person. We seem to be on the same wavelength about things." That'll get you really far. Yeah, and it's kind of they can put a face to the book instead of just a nameless letter that they toss away. Totally. Like, oh, okay, yeah, this is actually the one that Jacob wrote. Yeah, yeah. I remember meeting that guy. Yeah, you know, we had a conversation. Yeah. (laughs) He was really good at emails. (laughs) (laughs) There's a uh, famous science fiction novelist. His name is Jim Butcher. And he's written really great books that have done really well. And uh, he, the same position where he was getting rejected all the time. And then he met his agent, his current agent, um, in a writer's conference. And then from that meeting, she, uh, basically, she became his agent. And the surprising thing is that she actually had rejected him before. 
because mm-hmm. he just emailed his. I'm not saying emailing will guarantee rejection, but I think the face to face has a lot of value. Yeah. yeah, that that happened to me last time I was in LA. Um, <coughs> I think I met this woman, um, this agent. We had like a ten minute sit down. Yeah. Um, it went great. She was like, "Hey, send me your book. I would I would love to read your entire manuscript." I'm like, "That just makes you so happy when yeah. you hear that." And you're like, "Yes, I will do that." And I went home and I like sent it to her and I was like, that name sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> and sure enough, I like, typed it into my search in Google and she had already rejected me like a year ago, but that was, I had never met her before or anything. Right. But this time I was like, now I met her face to face and she still rejected me. But <laughs> I feel like I had a better chance now it's this time. Now it's like, yeah, it's just, like, now she didn't just reject your book, she rejected you. Yeah, she yeah. <laughs> rejected the total package, not right, just the exactly. email. But like the person oh, attached to it. So I got closure. I got real closure <laughs> yeah, on that. It's always it good. good. At least you know. It feels fucking right. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about you, Ross? Uh, I am resigned to ebooks. I'm going to publish. I, this one I'm working right now, the Brad Pitt story, is kind of going to be like a calling card. And that's, I don't, I'm not under any illusion that anything, that. Uh, unless your name is like Stephen King or something like that, you can get a book deal anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, when he, back when, again, during the Quill ages, I was in, <laughs> my first exposure to writing, I went into a workshop. It was the best thing that ever happened. That's why I always love good workshops. Okay. And one of the writers in there um, became an agent, actually. He went to the other, went to the dark side, as we call it. So, <laughs> so I'm still in touch with him, and I, anything I write, I always send him, and I say, what's the market like? Basically, the last time, I talked to him last year, and he said, unless you have, are a famous woman selling a romance or a vampire story or anything, don't even send me anything. He said he cannot sell anything. Mm. The, the hard book market is closing so fast. It's you know, because of e- e-books is just taking over. So they really, nobody has a budget to spend on new writers, essentially. So you make a name for yourself in, e- in your e-books. If you, can, if you can prove to a publishing house that you have a loyal fan base already, they will read your, your e-book or they will look at your query. So that's the, that's the business part of it right now, is that you yeah. have to develop a following even just to get a, mm-hmm. a book published at this point. That's how Fifty Shades of Grey <coughs> yeah. got published. Because, the Martian. Right. Same thing. Because, yeah. Yeah. Um, because they already had a base. So I'm under no illusion that I'm going to find a, uh, an agent who, who likes it and, and, and squeals with delight and says, this is the one. I'm just going to write this little uh, story, put it out uh, on an ebook, and use that for social media. Use it as a calling card. And that's kind of my plan. And you said it's about Brad Pitt? <laughs> Brad Pitt, because who I know very well. So. <laughs> <laughs> he was just at our last meeting. Yeah. Great guy. Really? Great he guy. says hello. Yeah. All right, good, good. I'm yeah, glad yeah, he's yeah. heard of me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can book him for your next podcast. Oh, that'd be yeah. great. That'd be great. Just call me. Yeah. I tell him I promise I won't ask any Angelina Jolie questions. He hates that. He hates that. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you say you guys would give to somebody looking to get started out in the writing process or looking to publish a book? Uh, we can just go around the table, or you guys can just jump in as you have something to say, whichever way you want. Who has some advice for young writers, or old writers looking to get started? <laughs> well, it's always intimidating to think about 
the entire project and getting done with the whole project. And that's going to stop a lot of new writers like, oh, this is going to take forever and I, I just don't want to take on such a monumental task. And if you just think about it in small doses, like that's what yeah. helped me out is, is for a couple years I had this idea for my novel and I never wanted to start writing it because it just sounded like such a big undertaking. But whenever I couldn't sleep, I would write the first paragraph in my head and that would help me like relax and fall asleep. And every time I did it, I started out the sentence a different way or I was like, I just wrote the sentence and just was relaxing. Did that for like two years. And then finally one day I actually wrote out the first <laughs> paragraph. And I was like, it started. Like I'm now doing it. And it just took writing one paragraph to be like, I can, I think I can do this. And so just start, there's a, a phrase that's, I really like it's, um, how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time mm -hmm. and I always think of that uh, and if you just take it bite by bite you can do it I would have said with peanut butter <laughs> you take your elephant with peanut butter? <laughs> they like it too I'm sorry I'm a sriracha man <laughs> I think if you do I think if you workshop um, well if you're a beginning writer uh, you can still workshop your book because mm -hmm. you could just write segments at a time submit it to your uh, to the to your writing group and then have them read it because I think if if you're writing it and workshopping it at the same time your learning curve is going to be really steep my learning curve was very flat because I decided oh I'm really creative so I know how to write a book which is completely <laughs> false um, writing is very technical technical meaning that there's there's structure to the story there's Grammar um, is fairly important because it's it, it it provides a foundation for people to understand your work. Especially if you, know, you have to imagine you're building a three D world, a three dimensional world with just words, and that's that's not exactly easy. Um, and then if you also know that I, you know, people ask me how's your writing going, and I always tell them it's tedious. Um, a lot of it is tedious. I'm not saying I'm not passionate, but it's. It's a lot of just sitting down and thinking. Like every time these guys give me a critique, um, it's the, the critiques I hate the most are the ones that I have to think about the most because I'm sitting there <laughs> in a coffee shop and I'm just, you know, people are like, what's wrong with that guy? He's not doing anything. And that's because I'm really thinking about this. And a lot of writing is, is, is thinking through um, your story and thinking through different concepts. Mm -hmm. So workshopping. Okay. Ross, any advice? Just write. Yeah. Write or write. Consistency. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, I think, yeah, your ten, the 10,000 hours thing, like, just oh, yeah. write. Because practice does make perfect. So the more you write, even if you never use that material, you're practicing. Yeah. And that has value. The other thing I would say is reading that, like, what Jimmy's talking about, the technical thing, like, this is a beginning, middle, end, and... All that stuff you absorb if you read good writers. You want to read bad writing, too, so you know not what to do. <laughs> but you want to make sure you read good writers because you will absorb it and your brain automatically just takes that information and you can write a story in the same structure without having to think about structure. Right. I trust my brain enough to know that if I read good writers, I will be a, a, a better writer for reading good writers. Okay. So I think you just absorb it. But I would say definitely you want to read and you want to write every day if at all possible. To go off Jimmy's thing about the punctuation and grammar and everything like that, 
that's one area where like typing wise and like spelling I'm I'm a little weak in that area, so when I was like texting you guys back and forth, I was like trying to double triple check my message. <laughs> like, I'm texting four writers and they're gonna just Man, rip my shit. Aaron's the grammar sucks in this <laughs> text. I, I, was, I almost <laughs> like I swear I can talk, guys. I swear I can talk. Probably good you don't know my day job is I'm a proofreader. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would have put a whole new level. <laughs> that would put a whole new level to it. So you probably we are, are like, going to critique your, your work. Oh, next, we've, we've talked next, about your messages. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we just couldn't. I'm resist. sure you did. You're like, we have I, notes. Notes. I can write a query letter on this now. <laughs> Pretty much. How to type. <laughs> but another thing, like, we talked about this a little bit before, away from my horrible text messages and stuff like that. But you use. Comic cons and conventions to sell your books, right? Yeah. So uh, there'd be some place of advice on how to, people could get into those if they're looking to sell their books. It, well, I mean, yeah, it's easy. <laughs> you you got <laughs> to go to the website and sign up for a table. So that's What's a all. Table? That's really all it takes is <laughs> signing up for to to get booth space. But the other thing is cost because. I had this grand idea that I was going to do San Diego Comic Con, which, first of all, is a six-year wait list to be an oh, exhibitor. Wow. I was oh, in the San Diego. <laughs> yeah. The biggest convention to, yeah. in the world. Why not? I, like I said, delusions of grandeur. Uh, totally. So I had this idea. I was going to I was gonna get a booth at San Diego Comic Con. That was the dream. And... Yeah, it's a six-year wait list, so you still you have to fill out the application every year to stay on that wait list. But then there's different booth sizes. Um, the small size, last time I checked, was nine thousand dollars. Damn. Yeah. And it was in the back by the probably room. yeah. <laughs> so so there is a cost factor for sure, but. So that I was like, all right, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Next, yeah. but the local, I think, well, key is to be local. So it's like San Diego really wouldn't benefit me because I don't live in San Diego. Yeah. So I've I realized just from going to other cons that if I go to local cons, when people find out that I'm from San Francisco, when I'm doing either like San Jose Comic Con or San Francisco Comic Con, it's like, oh, you're local. Like somehow that just. I don't know if it's because people like to support local people or local things, or if it's just maybe I could run into you factor. I'm not sure, but doing local, I think, is the best because somehow it creates a connection that you both, you know, you live in the same city as whatever this con is, or at least in the same region. Because I would probably do Sacramento cons because it's close enough. Yeah. And I grew up in California, but... To do like New York Comic Con probably would not benefit me as much. Omaha, as doing, Nebraska Comic Con. Right, right. As as Nebraska. doing uh, a local Cheap one. Boots. So yeah, <laughs> they have boot. So there's artists alley usually, which is like a little six foot table, and then then there's like usually different sizes of booths that are much bigger, and the cost just varies from con to con depends on how new the con is or how many vendors they have yeah that kind of thing so you just sign up for a t- you just fill out the application give them their money and <laughs> and then make sure you have something to sell people all right perfect and yeah. that kind of rolls right into the next question what do you guys do to promote yourself Oof. <laughs> like whether it's whether it's to the consumer or to publishers and other authors to walk around naked 
Again, yeah, exposing yourself. Exposing yes. yourself. Jimmy does that a lot. I do that like a lot. It's yeah, like it's worked really good. well. It's worked. It's, How um, many books have you published? Uh, I've published none. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not working as good. Not as well as you thought. Um, I mean, we're supposed to. Maybe share a little less. We <laughs> 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 we'll leave something to the imagination. Exactly. You know? <laughs> oh, that's what that means. Okay. Um, we're supposed to have like big social media followings. Yeah. Like, I, I I don't do that. I know I should do that. Try to have like a blog that I keep up to date as well as uh, Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. Yeah. I just. Even though I know it, I just don't like it, so I don't do that. The, the best <laughs> I do for promoting myself is trying to go to conventions um, and and not just meeting agents, but meeting other authors. You know, I got a little tiny business card that I hand out to people here and there um, every time I'm done. So, oh, I volunteer a lot at uh, conventions okay. because they're really expensive. If you volunteer, you get in for free, and you're tend the tendency is that you set up the room and you break down the room for a talk, a panel discussion. So okay. the authors and agents are in there like setting up their laptops and no one else is in the room. You get like good one-on-one -on -one time with them. Ah. Um, and then at the That's end, they're breaking start. down their laptops and whatnot. Everyone else has left the room to do their next thing. You get more one-on-one -on -one time and you show your utility because you're getting them water. You're asking them if there's anything you can do to help. Um, you get a lot more face recognition. This last time I was at the San Francisco Writers Conference, a lot of authors, they recognize me like in the hallways, like, hey, Jacob, nice to see you again. And that's great. Like, nothing, yeah. it's not like I've gotten a deal from it or anything like that, but just knowing that I'm somehow embedded in their mind a little bit more than a person that just kind of like shook their hand in a busy hallway. Yeah. It's so valuable. Yeah. Um, so that's how I, I permit myself is yeah. volunteering at conventions. Okay, perfect. That's a really good idea. I never really thought about that. And you can get yourself in front of some, uh, or expose yourself to some interesting people. I don't have to expose myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's my thing. My thing. Yeah. And that's why you're not allowed, Jimmy. <laughs> never steal Jimmy's thunder like that. Right. He's got thunder. That's right. Yeah. Don't let the Asian stereotype. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're good at math. I love um, yes. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. I, I do drive poorly. In the dark when, with my eyes closed. Um, no, I have, a, I have a website. I have a blog. Um, I, I try and keep up once a week. Um, so, but, but for fiction writers, because uh, there's a distinction between fiction writers and nonfiction writers. So nonfiction writers are, the weight is placed on them more to have a platform. Nonfiction is like cooking or some kind of sports therapy or something like that, where um, it's easier to have a platform. With with fiction writers, it's way difficult to have a platform because unless you're writing about Brad Pitt, you know, which some weak authors do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but when you're when you're writing about a fantasy world, you know, it's it's a little more difficult having a platform. Um, but I do try and maintain a blog and website and yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it. They always ask, "What's your Twitter following? You know, right. how much traffic do you get on your blog? All those things are, they say they're important, but again, like what Ross even touched on a little bit, the market's changing so much and it, there's so much shift happening. I don't necessarily buy into that these things are actually valuable because it's like. I don't read any blogs. 
Why would I write one? I have one. I write on it occasionally, but I don't read blogs. So I'm like, I know that there are people that love blogs. I'm not one of them. So for me to like, for some mysterious list of things you have to do, write a blog, it's ridiculous to me because I'm not fam- I'm not Stephen King. Nobody's going to read my blog, so why would I even bother? But I do have one. I have a website. I have a blog. I have a Twitter handle. I'm, I think one way to promote yourself is just being involved and being active, whether that's in conferences. I, I start conversations on Twitter. I start conversations on Goodreads. I'm involved in Tumblr, oh, like idea, you know, actually. like just being yeah. available and being involved in, even if it's like chatter about Star Wars or chatter about whatever you know, wherever the fans are, you want to be where they are. So okay. it's like if you're just involving yourself, yeah. then people see your name, and then maybe they go to your website. Like I'll have like I I watch the traffic on my website, and I probably average about 70, 70 hits a day, but then it'll spike to like four hundred. I have no idea why it does that. <laughs> I am not. I read the Google Analytics. It means nothing to me. I don't know what is because you're not Asian. Maybe I don't know, <laughs> but I have no idea what any of that stuff means. But I figured, well, somebody's looking at my blog. Somebody's looking at my Facebooks. People like my twit, my tweets. So I can't be doing that bad. So, but you just have to sort of find out what works for you personally. Because if you're a very talky, extroverted person you're probably going to have a lot easier time of it. <laughs> but I have to, it, it takes energy for me to do all, even to send out one tweet, even if I'm just quoting another writer or even if I want to retweet somebody, that takes, that saps my energy. But I force myself to do it because I want to make sure I keep my feed fresh because that feeds to my Facebook, it feeds yeah. to my mm. Amazon author page, it feeds to all these other things. So you want to make sure you have it, continuously updating and it takes effort but if you just do you know a couple things just pick one thing a day and then move on with your one life bite, okay. one bite at a time yeah with peanut butter yes uh, sriracha sauce <laughs> <laughs> whatever soy sauce whatever yeah, yeah you can throw whatever you want yeah. on really but yeah. you gotta take one bite <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the key thing and from what you said also it sounds like you need to find where your audience is too, yeah. in order to put that. Because if you're like posting in places that you aren't necessarily going to gain followers from, or right. people who That's like true. hate science fiction, and you're like, <laughs> "Hey, what about Star Wars, guys?" <laughs> and yes, that's they're true. Like, I know where you went, son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's actually a good point because, like, I did AlienCon last year. Yeah. I got invited to AlienCon, which was put on by the History Channel, which they do the Ancient Aliens show. Yeah, okay. yeah. So there were people there that, that that is a real deal to them. Like, they are hardcore believers. And so people would walk up to my table. First of all, my, my booth is, my shtick is that I have a government agency in my book called the Department of Planetary Affairs, and I make everybody in my booth dress up in these uniforms. So we look like security okay. people, and so it can be intimidating when a bunch of us walk into a room, actually. But people thought it was a real organization. Like, these were people that were like, <laughs> they're believers. Like, they think, they believe aliens are real. I had people tell me about, like, they can throw fireballs, like Dragon Ball Z <laughs> style. They have see. telepathic powers. Like, all kinds of stuff. And these people really 
really, these are their experiences. I was like, well, I don't know what your life is like. I'm not going to say anything other than, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but people would walk we'll be up. looking into that. Yeah. People would walk up to me and they'd be like, is this fiction or nonfiction? And I'd be, I'd say fiction and they would like, and walk away. Like, or some of them were even mad that it wasn't real. Oh, so, wow. Alien Con's not really my audience. <laughs> not really my audience. Gotcha. The Comic Con, though, I have so, I usually have so many good conversations and so many, have so many great meetings with just people walking by. And, you know, and I can go, like, oh, great costume, you know, especially if you can comment on, like, if, if it's something I like, one of my fandoms that I like, Halo or or Star Wars or something, and you can, like, call them out by the character name they are, that creates a connection. So it's like a comic book con is more my people (laughs) than the alien con. Do you think that the alien con, if they would have like, is this factor, is is this fiction or nonfiction, and be like, I say it's fiction, but that's just so they don't uh, (laughs) (laughs) die. You should do that! Um, But that's just to keep the real agencies off my back. Oh, my gosh. One guy was like, he's like, they think, she thinks it's not real, but it's real. Like, like somehow I'm the one that's deceived about what I'm doing, that I somehow really do work for a government agency, but I don't realize Yeah. There was someone there that thought they could throw fireballs. He told me about this whole encounter he had where he, yeah, he literally thought he could... I mean, Leslie was just a really brilliant liar, but I'm telling you, like, these people were so invested in what was going on, and I, I, they'd come up and be like, oh, what is this about? And I would give my shtick, which is like, oh, LB, our energy-based life forms, and, and they'd be like, whoa, really? And I was like, after a few minutes, I, I was like, wait, 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 this is fiction, and they'd be like... Uh, oh, oh! I thought you were talking for real, and I was like, "No, no!" So it was a very weird experience having to actually reveal, <laughs> reveal, come out of the closet on. Uh, actually, this is all fake. Sorry, this isn't real at all. It was a very weird experience. But there were people there. Like I had people telling me, "Oh, I know. I have aliens. I have. I have friends that are like based." I'm like, oh, that's cool. Right on. All my friends are carbon based. <laughs> right, right. So I'm like, okay, I don't, again, I don't know your experience. It's obviously very real to you, so good for you. And the person who gets to throw fireballs, did that involve flatulence and a lighter? No, or? no. From his hands. That's, a, that's another kind. Yeah, yeah, no. He, he said it was from his hands, just like. He wasn't willing to demonstrate, of course. Of course not. But, yeah. Selfish bastard. But, yeah. It was... I want... Like, the first conversation of the day, this girl walks up and she goes, I'm a hybrid learning how to live in my corporal body. And I'm just thinking, what? hybrid of what? Wait. But... Acid and PCP. Yeah, but right. she would do... She had a booth where she would draw pictures of your... Uh, of your... Genitals? No, 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 no. Spirit animals? Well, your spirit familiars. Like, she had all these really abstract images of of your, yeah, spirit helpers. You look like a cheetah mixed with... So I won't be doing Alien Con again, but I'm happy to say I'll I think be you should go back and be like, Con. no, this time it's real. <laughs> <laughs> Just to sell books. <laughs> they won't listen to this podcast. The funny thing is, is I didn't sell that many books, but I sold out of patches. Like I have patches for my logo for my okay. for my government agency. 
people bought those things like crazy. I was shocked. Wow. Yeah. You should just go back and sell those. You should. You yeah. Should. I, I'd go back just to mess with them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, an easy target. Yes, yeah. Yes. No. I, yeah, I can't do that. That, that wouldn't be me. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, but what do you want your audience to take away from your guys' writing? Our personal writing, our own individual pieces. Yeah, like from what do you want them to like remember about, or a feeling that you want them to get from your, from your work. Mm. To be quite honest, like in my ideal world, if I have this novel published, I would like it. I would like somebody to read it, and after they're done, they give it to someone else and says, "Hey, you would enjoy this." That's really mm. that would make me feel great. Yeah. It's pretty simple, but but that would, I mean, there's tons of books I've read where I'm like, ooh, well, I'm not going to recommend that to anybody, um, just because it wasn't <laughs> that well well written or anything like that. But if, if I can just get someone to be like, I'm going on a on an airplane ride, I'm going to be bored for five hours, do you have anything I can read? I'm like, oh yeah, here's this book by Jacob Richardson, I just finished it, it was pretty cool. That would be That's very cool. successful. Okay, yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Um, I try to have character arcs where um, a lesson can be learned. I, will, I won't say that what that is because I think ultimately that's for the reader to decide for themselves. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of good stories are like that where there are lessons to be gleaned off of, but sometimes um, you can't learn it in, unless you're internalizing it as you're reading it or watching a movie or whatever the case may be. But um, I think that if... if my ultimate dream is if they had a really good time reading my book, um, I'm really content with that. Um, <laughs> you know, anything, anything more like oh, I, I got this insight from really relating to your main character. Like, dude, that's that's heaven. But if they just had a great time, then perfect, <laughs> perfect. Now I know some musicians <clears throat> are like this. Like, if somebody asks you, like, what the like stories about besides main plot like a lot of people ask like what songs are about and mm -hmm. musicians won't tell them right. are you that way with like your subplots like you said there's a lesson in there and be like if this taught you like if I tell you what that lesson is if you learn something else it might be different like I don't want to change the way you feel about the book <laughs> um, no I mean it, what I would say is the the character my main character has a lot of internal conflict especially with his children so he holds on to his children a lot. And we see this nowadays, you know, there's a term called um, helicopter parents, is that is that, yeah. is that the term? Where, um, I have heard that. Yeah, like if, if you ever walk down the mall, because I, I go to the mall every day because I have nothing else to do, and then um, I see a lot of parents. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm not published, because I'm not writing. <laughs> no, but you know, you see a lot of parents that have leashes to their to their kids, and oh, yeah, I guys. I get it. I get I I get losing your child would be the nightmare of your life. I completely understand that, which actually happens to to my main character as he loses his child. Um, but it's it's like you you know, I think from my point of view if you hold on to your child and they do grow up, you're going to cause way more harm than if you were to let them explore the world. And they'll fall down, they get cuts and scrapes, but it's, though, it's from those things that people learn the most. 
about life. Yeah. Um, and that's 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 not my main message, but that's that's a really big part of my character's growth is is learning to let go, and that's that's hard. All right, damn. That's so, deep, bro. That is deep. Yeah, man. Well, I'm yeah. like, I feel enlightened. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say, the interesting thing about any art, whether it's music, writing, or art, art, is that you, once you let it out in the world, you can't control right. how it's perceived or what people walk away with. Like, you might have very specific themes or ideas in your book, but... That was, that's one thing about workshops is, like, it's so interesting to me when somebody goes, oh, I thought this. And it was just like, wow, I never <laughs> had that idea ever. But they got it from my writing, which is so interesting. So it's like this contract between you and the reader. I have no control over how they're going to perceive my characters or perceive my world. And however they do, that it's theirs now. Yeah. And it's their, now it's their thing. So I can't control that at all but sometimes it's really interesting to see <laughs> how it comes out on the other you know comes out in their head it's a lot of fun sometimes and I think it's it's wrong to kind of debunk their interpretation yeah yes. oh yeah yes. if someone yeah. if, sure. you know like learning what a song is about that has like very abstract lyrics or whatnot be like no 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 it's it's actually about divorce it's not about love like that kind of ruins it sometimes so yeah, yeah. even though you create it someone's interpretation is just as valid even yep. though it might not be what you intended, and I don't want to be like, no, you're off the you're off the base here. Like it's actually about this. Like that shouldn't happen. Um, just take it naturally and and let it go. Exactly. That's uh, kind of the reason uh, that the musician I talked to actually was on episode three of Uncontained, uh, Scott Aaron's. He was like talking about when somebody would come up and ask him what a song is about. He'd always be like, what do you think it's about? And then he would kind of agree with them. Be like, okay, because if they were really passionate about how they felt about it, and like, no, it's about this, it just kind of changes, like, be like, I base some of my life off of that song, like, saying I should go out take chances, yeah. but really it's like, yeah, you should probably stay home and not go out. Like, You know, oh, man, he always asks, like, what it's about, what he thinks, he's, what they think it's about, and it's like, yeah, dude, yeah, that, you got it, you know, instead yeah. of being like, dude, you are so far off. You're wrong. You suck. <laughs> did, did you even listen to the song? <laughs> What's the matter with you? I know. Some people's kids. Uh, Do me a favor and never listen to any of my songs. <laughs> if I even hear that you're listening to my music, <laughs> I'm coming to your house and right the door down. Sounds like a nice guy. And, yeah. I, and I'm going to bring her alien agency with me. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy who shoots fireballs. <laughs> and Jimmy's going to expose himself again. Again. Party of the year. Yes. <laughs> All right. Speaking of that, let's talk about highlights. What are, <laughs> what are some of the highlights uh, that you guys have experienced from writing so far? Um... <laughs> Not really, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Highlights would be, well, I've talked about this before in this podcast, the the writing conference and the recognition. Um, I had this one author, she's published, I think, I can't remember how many books, many dozens of books. Okay. And I got to the point where I've met her like year after year, like the third year that I volunteered. Um, 
she offered to like read my query letter and she actually gave me feedback and I got yeah. the feedback from like a professional that's been in the game for many decades, knows how it's done and it made me feel so much more confident now in the query awesome. letter that I have. Um, and it was just like working your way up year after year of like kind of just grinding away and we were joking about this all before, we're all introverts. Like, going to conferences, putting yourself out there, selling yourself fucking sucks. Like, we hate it. And when you put 300, 400 people in a room together who all hate the process as well, it makes it super awkward and not fun. And you know you're just going to be tired and have a scorching headache at the end of the night because you used all your energy. But when you get something like an actual established author to help you out, that was a, that was a big success for me. Yeah, I'll tell you guys something. I consider myself a little more of the extrovert side, but still, like, going and trying to pitch myself and getting rejected all the time oh. doesn't doesn't quite feel good. So, introvert, extrovert doesn't matter. You know, it's, <laughs> the introvert, extrovert rejection sucks, but yeah. you gotta you gotta take it and, you know, once you push past it, <clears throat> hopefully, hopefully there's light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't get better, but sometimes the results get better. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I was at my first con, and Sunday you were you were there, Jacob. The first the Sunday, so I've been I know there what you're three. Say. Yeah. yeah, so I've been there three days now, and this guy walks up to the table and he's like, "I bought your books yesterday, and I started reading the first one, and it was so awesome. Uh, I can't wait to read the second one." <laughs> and I was just like. Thank you. And I was just, I don't know. I he was like, it's just what I was uh, looking for. It was right up my alley. Or something yeah. Like that. Was like, I probably wrote on that boy. comic. I probably wrote on that comment for the rest of the year. Because awesome. it was like every time I was like struggling. And like, and I, I have bad reviews on my Amazon page. Like, I try not to read them. But, <laughs> but Stephen King has bad reviews too, just so you know. Yeah. But anyways. No. You always yeah. get that one person in their mom's basement. Right. <laughs> like, I hate the world, world's not fair, so I'm going to bring somebody else down. Right, right. So That's Ross. That, <laughs> so that, that definitely, whenever I get depressed or I'm struggling with my writing, I think about that guy. <laughs> you know, he was just so excited. And so I think that definitely has been a highlight for me. And then, a, like, a friend texted me. A friend, I haven't heard from her in a long time. And she finally downloaded my books, and she read the first one. She's like, Why? Did you kill so and so? And I was just like, ha ha, I win. Spoiler! I made you feel so and so dies. <laughs> There's plenty of people who die, but uh, but I was like, I win. I made you feel something. So yeah, awesome. you're listed in emotion. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's like that's the power that of writing. A, that's a so that's that's awesome. If I can make one person feel something, then I. I've done my job. I do that different ways. <laughs> right. Just one person so far. <laughs> Myself. Late bloomer. <laughs> Any other highlights? Highlights? Um, so I, I guess uh, after I dropped out of college for the third or fourth time, <laughs> and uh, it wasn't nothing was working, so I was in the glamorous world of bank telling. And I was a bank teller and uh, not writing and thinking, you know, I just want to kill myself. <laughs> not really. Not really. So, like this soul, this job is stealing my soul type thing. If I had one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, stealing negative space. I woke up in the middle of the night and uh, I wrote, uh, you know, I just started writing. I wrote these four characters, four desperate characters living in Los Angeles. Put it together. I said, this is going to be a book. 
And then um, about a week later, I saw a little ad for a writing workshop in UCLA. And I thought, well, what the fuck? And I sent it in. And um, so about a week later, I got a, a response back saying, we'd like to invite you to the workshop. And I thought, big deal. But it turns out um, they only admit people like once every few years. So they really Whoa. liked what I wrote. So I thought, oh, maybe I sh- maybe I'm better than a bank teller. <laughs> 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 Who knows? So um, self esteem is sky high. <laughs> Anyhow, that that painting workshop was like the foundation of everything. That's why I love the, wor- the good workshops, and the teacher was like a master of writing. And, and he, that same story after I finished writing, turning he helped me turn it into a book. So after I wrote that book, I, um, again, I was, you know, uh, I probably was bank tellering or something sexy like that. And I thought, what, what am I going to do with this? And um, I saw an ad, again, um, for something at a, one of the movie shows that send us your writing because we want, we're looking for new talent to work on an a, a, um, internet thing. So I sent in the, that same thing, and they called right away and said, wow, look at this. We'd like to invite you to, to, to work for us. Uh, that book never got published, never anything happened to it, but it was like a calling card. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Opened up a couple doors for you. Yeah, and uh, got me out of the bank telling world. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but for, I, w- I want to say the workshops have always been the highlight. I mean, that... Uh, Writing is so solitary, so isolating. Mm. It's so lonely, but it's good because we don't really like people. <laughs> True. But but if it weren't for workshop, you know, workshops are like the highlight because you get to meet like-minded souls. You get to compare notes. It, it's a it's a great. That's always been my highlight is in mm-hmm. workshops. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm with that. I I yeah. I hired a uh, a writing coach to help correct my mess of a manuscript and worked with her for over two years and she um <clears throat> i call her the machete because she she literally every every submission i gave her she <laughs> she tore it up and i felt like i had many assholes because i just had I, I, I <laughs> tore up. um but i think one of the other things is if you can out, if you can't get a workshop, then, then hire someone who will read it and it will give you honest feedback. Because if you give it to your friends, if you give it to your family, they're not going to want to hurt your feelings. So I think the highlight was getting <laughs> my shit torn up a lot. Um, and it taught me, because you have to learn how to have a thick skin when someone is saying, this, is, this isn't working, I don't understand what you're saying, I can't see this. What's wrong with you? Get a new life. You know, all these things are constructive <laughs> criticisms. And then you go to a workshop, and then all of a sudden they're saying the same shit to you. You're just like, what the hell? You know? And but it's great. It's to, it's great to talk about story because when you talk about story to normal people, they're just like, I just want to get a Starbucks coffee. And you're like, oh God, me too. You know? And, <laughs> I don't like you anymore. This is why I write because I don't mm-hmm. talk to people. You get that glaze coming out exactly. your eyes. Like, oh, I've lost them. I've lost them. We're gone. Oh, Once you get me there, I'll be now I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Here's some pot smoking. Let's talk. Then the eyes become really glazed. <laughs> <laughs> but it opens up a whole new world. Yes. Yeah. Sure does. Bird people, man? Yeah. Dude, yeah. Yeah, what is it about bird people? We've talked about bird people before the show and it didn't come up yet. So, bird people. My world 
is in my head. I'm sorry. So the, the, the characters in my book are, if you imagine a human being with bat wings, that's what they are. Um, and they live in the forest canopy because if they lived on the forest floor, for example, there's a lot of um, predators. predators that will eat them. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> she knows the book better than me. Well, you're in the same workshop. So. Right, right, right. You're familiar. Right. So um, the challenge is describing these people um, because everyone... It's hard to imagine flying unless you're Superman. Superman's easy because he doesn't have anything extraneous. You know, he still looks like a person, but when you're describing, when you have a person with really big wings so they can fly and flap, um, it adds a wrinkle to the writing because now you have to include the wings with emotion. So it's like when, 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 when someone shrugs their shoulders when someone asks them the question, you know, you could transfer that to... Like, to what the do the wings do? Yeah. yeah. So if someone, a lot of times, if you're writing about humans and they're walking into the room and their back is slumped, you know, they're, they're in a low mood. But you could use wings with that. So I have to be really creative with wings because one of the criticisms, one of my early critiquers uh, said, it's like, you have to make me feel the wings. I'm like, what, like heavy light? And she, what she really meant was the emotion. You know, re- use it in, in such a way where I'm, I'm feeling it. Um, and that that was great. And that's bird people. And Ross loves to rename, rename all my characters. <laughs> so I can keep track. Because <laughs> they have such obscure names. They, yes. Oh, that the only it helps you remember. <laughs> I can't barely no, remember it's who not he is. Like his bird people. It's for fun. He's just doing it for fun. Yeah, four bird. Frankenberg. Magic Bird. Magic Bird. <laughs> and Oprah Bird. Don't forget Oprah, Oprah Bird. Bird. <laughs> Mega Dicks. It's like, you know. I should use those names, actually. No. They're more no, catchy. Okay. <laughs> so, how do you express emotion with the wings? It's actually very similar to, to, to a human. So, if human droops, or their, their, their backs are slumped, then I can say that the wings are slumped. Or if. Um, if someone talks to a character and that character perks up, then I, I perk up their wings. Um, a lot of times, you know, if a person is jogging versus a person who is sprinting, you can apply those attributes to wings. So sometimes a person who's casually flying is just, you know, they're just flapping their wings. But if someone's chasing after something, then the wings are tearing into the air, for example. Okay. So it's... Um, it's it's technique where you're using action verbs like tear, um, sprint, beating, all that kind of stuff to convey some sort of action and, and, and motion. But you're also trying to convey an emotion of, of some sort. Okay, so if there was like an Italian character, he'd talk with his wings? <laughs> <laughs> well, he would have really hairy oh, wings. <laughs> The thing that I like like that Jimmy's done with his world is he's taken phrases that we use and he's replaced them with wings. So, like, instead of it's like, you say, I'm trying to think of some of them. On the other hand. Yeah, but he says on the other wing. Or, um, it's. Get off my wings, dude. (laughs) Yeah, so it's just like, he's done that probably a dozen times where he's taken a phrase that you would use, like, 
for your hands and put wing in that place instead. Like, yeah. it's on the tip of my wing. Right. I right. don't know. Right. So. Actually, don't bite the wing that feeds you. <laughs> right, right. So, I'll, like, I'll you understand that. what he's saying cause, yeah. because of your lexicon, but... Right. It, so cool. it's fun that cool. he's done that. <laughs> and it works for the world that you've created. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool, guys. I got one more question for you guys before I get to that. I want to, you guys throw out your contact information. So if people want to get a hold of you, check into any of the books that you are writing or a little bit more information on the books that you are working on. Because we actually didn't get really deep into the subject matter of the books. So even if you want to throw out what what your book is about a little bit more during this uh feel free but where can people get a hold of you guys like facebook your websites your blogs if you guys do decide to do them so mm-hmm. we'll just start uh with you pat and work around the room okay um my books are on amazon uh and i do have a web i have two websites so one's my author website which is www.lbfree.com and lb is e-l-i-b-i-e which is the name of my aliens okay lb and then actually for my government agency i actually have a separate website for that that i that i pilfered from the fbi <laughs> um, <laughs> we're recording. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I plagiarized a lot of the FBI and the CIA's websites for my content, but uh, that's the DPA.us for the Department of Planetary Affairs, and um, I'm on Twitter, Facebook under Calvaris, which is just a ran- I picked a weird name that nobody else would have, but there's one dude who drinks beer who has that name Calvaris on YouTube, so that's not me. Um, okay. And Tumblr, uh, Pinterest. I'm, I try to be on as many social media as I can, even though I'm terrible at it. Goodreads is Pat Griffith. So, But my website has my Twitter feed and has my there's a contact page, so if you want to email me, and ask me questions, feel free to do so. All right, Jacob. Um, my website is jacobrichardson.net. Um, I do have a Twitter handle, which is nomuda, J-N-O-M-U-D-A, and then the letter J. Um, that's mainly for ranting against how much I hate Uber. Um, so <laughs> don't be dissuaded if you see a lot of, of Uber uh, tweets and, and my... <laughs> Pure disdain for them. Why uh, do you hate Uber so much? Because I bicycle and I almost get hit by an Uber driver almost every single day. Uh, they, this could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> Maybe Trust we'll me. have to do it. Um, but there's a there's a whole big thing of me and Uber are not friends okay. right now. What about Lyft? Are you okay with those guys? No, no, <laughs> not okay with Lyft. Not okay with Lyft either. Um, they're very dangerous. Um, <laughs> So you're right, yeah, Nomuda J, JacobRichardson.net. Um, I do not deal with fantasy bird people nor light-based energy. My <laughs> novel, which hopefully will see the light of day, is it's a, it's the exact same plot as Fight Club, but instead of fighting, it's underground surgery. Um, a, man, a man gets involved in the black market organ trade, and things okay. go very, very wrong with it. It's uh, slightly 
bloody. It's kind of R-rated. Slightly? Uh, <laughs> slightly bloody. It's a little so bloody. Like it's first a, rule of surgery club, don't talk about surgeon club? Or, there is a group called the Amputation Army that I will just leave that out there. And if you're interested in that, then hopefully you'll want to read this book. I find it funny that you use the word arm in there. For <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is army. <laughs> <laughs> You can only do it one hand, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people reach you? Oh, um, um, you got your website, you said. I've got my website. Uh, I've got my Twitter. You can reach me there. I've got Facebook as well. And then, is it safe to give an email address? Should I do that? If you want to, what is it for? Is it for like fans to get a hold of you? Or is it for like Yeah, it's publishers? like a, a, a writer one. Yeah, then if it's, it's for like, like a business email. Okay, then give that out. Yeah, go, feel free. Jacob X Richardson at Gmail. And feel free to reach me there. All right, Ross. You know, I'm not promoting anything, so but you can reach me like at uh, my website, poppychulo at whosyourdaddy.com. <laughs> <laughs> For whatever reasons you might have, I'm, well, I'm always there. No problem. Very open to suggestions. <laughs> yes. Um, and then the other... I've tried to reach you there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Those pictures of the waves again, <laughs> but and then my other Uber website called killjacob.com. <laughs> That's you. I know I've got about twenty points so far. <laughs> a big target. We're all, we're all trying our our best, but so I don't really I don't have a public website or anything. I don't I'm not promoting anything. I'm not selling anything. So no reason for you to get in touch with me. <laughs> Leave him alone. Yeah, Such an introvert, Jesus. Introvert. <laughs> He's moving to New York to become a hermit. <laughs> if that's where it's really going. You looking at me? <laughs> Must be looking at me. I've never Nobody heard anyone you. say, like, I prefer you not to contact <laughs> This is like a podcast first. That's exactly. awesome. Like, I love that. Please don't reach out. Just leave me alone. Okay? Enough. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Um, and Jimmy, how do you follow that up? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Please contact me. Um, I do have a website. It's uh, www.7thprovince.com, and that's spelled the number, so using the number 7, thprovince.com. Um, I do have a Twitter handle, which is jimmyng1, because... There's a lot of Jimmy Ings out there, which um, I'm surprised of. Um, if you look at my name, I'm dead. I'm a computer engineer. I'm a doctor. I'm a firefighter. I'm a writer. I'm a whole bunch of things. Um, <laughs> the SeventhProvince.com has a contact page, so if you have any questions or comments, you know, you're know you more than welcome to reach me there. All right, perfect. So if you guys want to actually get me that, I'll include those in the show notes so people can uh, okay. get a hold of you or not get a hold of you. <laughs> <laughs> Leave him alone! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> but, all right, to the final question, which is also the title question of the show, uh, how do you live uncontained? You wanna, Who wants to start with that one? I'll just throw that one up. Ross? <laughs> Leave me alone! Oh, <laughs> uh, somebody else go first. <laughs> I can't remember what the. I can go. Okay, so basically, to recap, <clears throat> since uh, we have been going for a while here, uh, living uncontained. Basically, people who tell you 
uh, you know, you should really give up writing, go become a bank teller, or uh, something like that, and quit the nine to five, or do the nine to five. You're never gonna make as a writer. What keeps you going? Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them all the hell. Yeah. Liter- literally, or. <laughs> that's you, for you that's your you, interpretation you should always write for yourself yes. don't write for the market don't try to anticipate what's after vampires and zombies or whatever Like you should always write because you love to write or do whatever you do because you love to do it whatever it is um, so for me I write because I love the dis- I love discovering a world I feel like I'm discovering a world that already exists and I love that process so whether I ever get published, ever have fans, ever have any recognition of any kind, I will always write because I love to discover new worlds that are hidden from us. So you just, that's what motivates me to write and that's what will always motivate me to write, regardless of all other factors. Perfect. Yeah, uh, similar to to Pat or piggybacking off that a little bit is even if I don't get published and I'm not... I don't become a successful writer, I'm not going to stop. Like, this is just something that is going to happen as my life goes on. So mm-hmm. having some sort of tangible evidence that I did something, <laughs> I achieved something, that would be great. You know, that's icing, though. Like, I live uncontained by just knowing that I want to keep doing this regardless of the outcomes. And I just listened to a uh, podcast that had Jordan Peele on it, the the writer and director of Get Out. That just yeah, came out. also of Key and Peele. Uh, and of Key and Peele. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a Q&A with him about the screenwriting process. And his motto was, follow the fun. Mm-hmm. And don't accept writer's block. You know, you do it w- when you enjoy it. And if you get to a point where you're not enjoying it anymore, it feels like you're forcing something or writing for somebody else, just stop and like go to something else that's fun because you might have another idea that you've been toying around with. Just always continue to have fun. And when it stops being fun, step away, come mm-hmm. back when it's going to be fun again. Yeah. And that's, how I, that's what I try to do is just always have fun in the creation. And that's why I know I'm not going to stop doing it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So I like to follow that with, um, it's like masturbation. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> You're not gonna stop doing it. <laughs> Jimmy doesn't want to do it alone. We <laughs> right <That's> now. Mutual. <laughs> so it's fun. So you do it. You just. Um. And he's not gonna stop. <laughs> I'm not gonna stop. <laughs> <laughs> finished. Unless his brother walks in. <laughs> oh, you were there. <laughs> um. Actually, uh, yeah, I have nothing more to say, but um, <laughs> <laughs> writing, I think writing is, it's, I, th- I think out of any, I think out of almost all the art forms, it's one of the most difficult to, to break into. So if you go into writing expecting to make um, any level of money, then you're in it for the completely wrong reasons. Um, writing for yourself is, I think, the, has, has been the, the most consistent advice from screenwriters, from writers of novels, even fiction, non-fiction writers, it's always been um, the market is going to shift with the ones that sell. So it's like if you look at Harry Potter, if you look at the period before Harry Potter, wizardry wasn't very popular at that time. After Harry Potter made it big, um, all of a sudden all these wizardry books, even schools were big. Now vampires and zombies are huge because... Because the initial people that made it big 
I'm not talking about back in the 60s, but now, like Walking Dead um, and Twilight. Glittery vampires. Right, exactly. <laughs> that they're, they're, they're following that. But, it, but people often forget that, you know, if you looked at when, the market, when that particular market started, it started because that book or that TV show or whatever did really well. So off, I know we sound really powerless when we say, you know, if I ever get published, or with Ross saying, don't contact me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, oftentimes the market is, is determined by the first one who does it really well. So that's, hopefully that will get you to write what you want versus what you think the market will buy. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, cool, thank you. Thank you guys for all coming on. I have one more thing to do before we get out of here. Ross, have you gone, or are you trying to weasel out of this? What? For uh, How You Live Uncontained. Oh, okay, I'll do no, it. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Leave me alone! <laughs> no, I mean, I think every th- everybody said great things that you write for yourself. You just write because you enjoy it. I enjoy it. I write for, just for the challenge and the joy. And also to because uh, after many years of writing, the the best people I meet are other writers, mm-hmm. and it you know, yeah. um, and and it, there's no other people like writers. It's just uh, uh, whether you get published or not or whatever. That's that's just you know icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. We're awesome. <laughs> Confirmed. Even though we don't like people, <laughs> also it's but they love themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. this has been fun this has been fun does anybody else have anything in closing they want to throw out buy Pat's book yeah, actually book. yes um, her stuff is really great even in the initial stages of her third book um, I'm always wondering what happened in the first two books <laughs> it, no 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 seriously it's it's you know if it, if it wasn't because I have a day job which I loathe to my core <laughs> um, I would be reading a lot more, and mm. so it's just her 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 writing is great. So please go to her website and buy it. Otherwise, I'll chase you down and kill you. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm not gonna kill you. I may chase you down. But just because he likes to run. That's right. <laughs> Naked. And he's a bad driver. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you all for coming on. I Thank have you. one more Thank thing you. to do. Before we get out of here, I always have my guests sign off the show. Uh, will you guys do me the honor of signing off the show? I'm Pat Griffith. Jacob Richardson. Ross Dryblatt. Jimmy Ng. We live uncontained. Thanks again to Pat, Jacob, Ross, and Jimmy for coming on the show and talking to me. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show and want to show a little bit of love, please uh, leave a rating and a review in the podcast player that you listen to this episode in and tell a friend. Also, uh, feel free to visit my podcast homepage, uncontainedpod.com. And if you have a little Amazon shopping to do, please click the banner at the top of the page. It doesn't cost you anything and it helps the show out. Thank you very much for your support. Thank you for listening and until next time live uncontained